Welcome to the Mindset, Magic, and Manifestation podcast. I'm your host, Michaela from MichaelaJ.com. I'm a manifestation mindset coach and blogger. If you're ready to dive in deep, get real AF about your beliefs, and manifest the life of your dreams, then you're in the right place. I'm dishing out everything you need to go from broke to bougie, first class to world class. If your hashtag life goals involve luxury, travel, and being the boss of your own life, then get ready to embrace your mindset, magic, and manifestation powers. Let's do this. Hey guys, what's up? It's Michaela. I literally sound like a radio host. How are you? I'm doing great. Just got home, spent the weekend in my hometown in Omaha and hung out with lots of friends, saw all my favorite people. It was just a really good and social time. So today we have a very, very, very exciting episode with my mastermind sister, Afura, and it is so filled with juicy, witchy goodness. We just have really good conversation about perspective and life and spirituality. And I can't wait for you guys to meet this babe, Afura. I love her so much. When you guys see her Instagram, you're going to be like, oh my God, aesthetic AF because it's all like purpley. It's just really cute. I love her. So a couple things before we dive in. It's October. What the hell? Um, yeah, not sure how I feel about that yet, but, um, I did sit down to write out a few goals for the month and what I'm focusing on, what I'm manifesting. So let me know if you guys want an episode on planning out your monthly manifestations, your monthly goals, because I think that would be kind of fun to chat about. Um, And super exciting announcement. Last month, we doubled in downloads for the podcast, which makes me extremely, extremely happy. So grateful for all of you guys who tune in every single week. And just want to say a huge shout out to every single one of you who posts um, like a screenshot of my podcast on your Instagram story. It brings huge growth. It lets me bring on super amazing guests. And I'm just so excited to see where this takes us. So I wanted to say thank you to you guys. Um, quick plug for our episode sponsor, which is my mindset, magic and manifestation daily rituals. So you guys, if you don't have a morning routine, if you don't have like a daily practice you're doing right now, what are you doing? This daily ritual, it's only $37. Okay. You're getting three workbooks that give you all the things that I do every single day. It gives you a mindful morning visualization, which is my favorite meditation ATM, as well as a manifestation, uh, I just almost said podcast, a manifestation meditation. And you guys, this is like one of my favorite products that I made for you guys. I made it super affordable just so you guys can get started. You can have that practice. So you're manifesting every single day. So that link will be in the show notes below. And one more thing that I'm going to start including in every single episode is called a spiritual splurge. So in all of my guest podcast episodes, you guys know that I ask the guest, what is your favorite splurge? Like, what do you like to splurge on? And so every episode I want to shout out like a brand or a product or something that I've purchased recently that is kind of spiritual based, kind of manifestation mindset stuff. And we're going to call it the spiritual splurge. So I'm really excited to bring you guys the first spiritual splurge, which is the style your mind for success workbook by my favorite author, Carol Alaleba. She has her own podcast. It's the style 
Smile Your Mind podcast. She is just so bougie, so extra, very high class, high maintenance, and is also all about business and personal development. And I just love her. I love her attitude. I love everything about her. I learned so much from her and I and her books. And I recently got the Style Your Mind workbook. So if you are like a creative entrepreneur, um, if you want to be a girl boss, you need to pick up this book because it walks you through like all of the mindset things that she's doing at the moment. And I just love it so freaking much. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon. So anybody can get this. And that is their spiritual splurge for the week. And so I hope you guys pick it up. It's so good. I love the module on being a visionista because I also heard a quote recently that was like, visionaries never fail or like visionaries cannot fail because when we have a vision for our life, for where we're going, there's no way you can fail because you're in constant pursuit of that vision. We only fail when we lose sight of the vision. And she has like a whole module on being a visionista. So love her. Love you, Kara. If you tune into this, um, I'm definitely going to post it on my stories. So you guys will see it on my Instagram. I will tag it in the show notes as well. So besides from that and our daily ritual and our huge podcast podcast growth for the month. Here is your super long witchy episode that I'm so excited for you guys to learn all about. Let's do it. Okay. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am here with one of my chakra sisters, Afura, and Afura is the wealthy wise witch, and she is um, helping spiritual entrepreneurs and creatives take their lives and careers from mundane to magical. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. Super excited for this today. You guys are going to learn so, so much. I'm going to learn so much and I absolutely cannot wait. So we are just going to dive straight into our speed dating questions if you're ready. Yep, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. So what's your horoscope sign? Okay, so I'm an Aquarius sun, but I love to pay attention to the moon and the rising signs too. Mm. So my moon is Aries and my rising is Gemini. Wow, that's such an interesting combination. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. I that's so fascinating. So what are like your favorite qualities about being an Aquarius? Because I really don't know that much about like being an Aquarius. Yeah, like Aquarius is an interesting one because it's the only human represented in the zodiac symbols. Oh, yeah. um, so even though it's an air sign, it kind of represents the quality of air that's like human ingenuity. And like in witchcraft, we think of air as like mental stuff. So it's kind of the concept of like the sovereign human using the other elements to create things. Um, so like, I love that. And like the stereotypes of an Aquarius are this person who's like really, um, like woo woo and like spiritual, but also grounded enough to kind of bring people together in like a real world kind of way. And I really had to grow into that over the years, but now it's starting to make sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can see that. That's so fascinating. I, well, I'm a Capricorn, so I always feel like Aquariuses are very similar to me because it comes right after Capricorn, of course, but that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. That's super interesting. And I didn't even realize it was only the only like human sign. Yeah, it's weird to think about, but 
Yeah, I feel like Capricorns and Aquariuses are extremely different in certain ways, but they also tend to get along, oddly enough. Like, I yeah. have two Capricorns, which is... <laughs> Um, and I can see the connection because my mom is born on the cusp. Like, I think she's considered oh. Capricorn, but she's like really close to Aquarius. So she oh, has that like grounded and like logical part of her, but then she's also really magical. So I feel like you kind of have those qualities too. Like you have yeah. the best of both. <laughs> yes, I definitely am. And that's so funny. You're raised by two Capricorns because I was raised by two Sagittariuses and that was just... Very interesting. <laughs> my whole family is Sagittarius, like my mom, my dad, and my brother, and I'm a Capricorn. So it was an interesting dynamic in the household for sure. <laughs> yeah, Sag is one of the ones that I don't know a ton about just because I've, I don't think I've known a lot of people who were, but I've heard interesting things. <laughs> yeah, I always think of Sagittarius as like they're very bipolar. So, like, you can meet one who's like super nice, like almost naive like they're very they seem very pure and then you can meet the ones that are just like very angry and they get super super mad and they get very dramatic about things and you never know what side you're gonna get and it's never in the middle it's like one or the other so I think when you can figure out which one they are you have to like look at their rising sign for sure <laughs> that's why I love paying attention to their like other signs too because it's, it's really hard to categorize a person by just their sun sign because we're so multi-dimensional you know yeah, definitely. I've been looking into like everybody's birth charts lately because I'm obsessed with astrology. And so I'm just like, oh my God, you make so much more sense to me now that I know your birth chart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that like meme that's like, it's like an old fashioned comic strip of like a guy looking really surprised. And it says, um, it's like me tell or like him telling me all this crazy stuff he's going through and me pretending to be surprised as if I didn't already look up his birth chart. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. I'm Googling that after this. <laughs> That's literally so funny. And it's so interesting because I will talk to it talk about birth charts and astrology and stuff to people at school sometimes very selectively because like Nebraska is not a woo-woo kind of place. But when I do, and I like describe people's, at least their moon and rising to them, they're like, oh my God, that's literally me. I'm like, yeah, your whole birth chart is literally you. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's super funny. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person? I'm definitely a night owl. I'm a flexible night owl, meaning that I can wake up while it's still considered morning, but like me <laughs> up and about at 6 a.m. doing stuff with other people is just never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, I knew that about you. Have you, you've always been a night person though, haven't you? Yeah, like when I was a teenager, I don't know if it was hormones or just like me rebelling against the fact that I had to wake up for school, but on the weekends, I would sleep until 3 p.m., whereas oh like, <laughs> yeah, like now that kind of grosses me out. I can't do that, but like naturally, I wake up um, between like 9 and 11. Mm, wow, that is so interesting. And like, you can be productive that way because when I wake up at like nine o'clock, I'm stressed. Like that is oversleeping <laughs> to the max for me. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time to do anything. <laughs> and I feel like my days are so short. So what time do you go to bed? 
Um, it depends. So like if I'm being a good night owl, like if I'm playing nice, like I like to be in bed by midnight, but like if I'm really obsessed with something that I'm working on, um, like three is the max for me. If it's beyond 3am, I feel like I'm being bad. So like I make myself go to bed, but yeah, like you're in college though. Right. So it's kind of like the scheduling is like a whole thing. Yeah, that's definitely a whole thing. I'm really lucky that I don't have class until 1130. And I actually only have classes three days a week. So I have like the easiest schedule ever because I just try not to do school as much as possible. But (laughs) yeah, and actually going to college is what made me a morning person because I in high school, like senior year, every single day was late every single day. And I just could not get myself to wake up early. And it was crazy. And then coming to college, I was like, okay, we're going to try and get our shit together. (laughs) And the weird thing is I'm not even productive in the mornings. I'm way more productive in the afternoons, but I just like having that morning time to kind of do my daily rituals and get my meditations and stuff out of the way. So I can say that I did them and not have to worry about them later on, I guess. I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. It's very interesting. And like some people are like, Oh, I wake up at six and everything's done by 11. I'm like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like everything is in like their whole work day. <laughs> like, yeah. I just can't. I like, even this morning I went to a coffee shop at like 10 and I was like, okay, I'm going to be super productive knowing how a bunch of calls today. And I got like nothing done. I was like, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it. <laughs> Some of us, like, I actually have done research on this, and some of us actually get, like, hormonal, like, shots of certain hormones at different times of day. So, like, morning people are most productive in the morning, and night people kind of have to ease their way into stuff, and, like, we we can be, like, productive in the afternoon, and then we get more creative in the evening, I guess, so something to look into. Like, it's like, if somebody tells you like, there's something wrong with you because you're a morning person or a night person, like you can like throw it back in their face and be like, dude, this is a biological thing. So (laughs) it's science. Okay. Leave me alone. It is science. (laughs) That's so funny because like that description of a night person is literally me. Like I'm so productive in the afternoon and at night is when I get all of my ideas. Like I will sit in bed and just like jot down notes in my phone because I can't stop thinking of things. And I'm like, Oh my God, I want to go to bed. (laughs) I know that feeling for sure. (laughs) Such a weird mix. Okay. So where is the favorite place that you've traveled to? So this is kind of funny because I have been to like Europe and I've been to Central America and some other places. And I want to say that those were my favorite, but because of like the place, the place I was in my life when I went to those places, they weren't like as magical as they should have been. So what was actually my most favorite vacation recently was actually just going to this little town called Ithaca, New York, which is a couple hours away from me. Um, and it's just the most magical place. It literally feels like, I don't know. It feels like a little magical town that would be in a movie or something, but like, there's also a lot of culture there because there's a popular college in that area. So there's people from all over the world, but it's this quaint, adorable, magical little town. That sounds super cute. So what do you do when you're there? 
Um, I've only been there a couple times. One time my boyfriend was in a comedy festival and it was also a harvest festival the same weekend. So like I was super down for that. (laughs) And then, um, the other time that I went was for this Harry Potter festival that they have. And it was kind of a little bit lackluster because it was pouring rain and it was supposed to be an outdoor event, but it also (laughs) felt like a rainy day in Diagon Alley. It was so cute. (laughs) That sounds so cool. Like I would totally geek out. That's so fun. Are you a Harry Potter girl too? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel like Harry. our generation, we, we just can't, like we have to love it. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just like one of the things we were raised on. I just love that. It makes me want to live in, at Hogwarts. Like I want to have all these powers and live in Hogwarts. <laughs> me too. But Hogwarts is a dangerous place sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'd be freaked out. And I'm really nosy and like very, very curious. So I would probably get into some shit that I'm not supposed to. So I could just see that all unfolding in like a super bad way. <laughs> sounds like a Sounds like some Gryffindor shit to me. Are you a Gryffindor? No, I think I was Hufflepuff, which was really weird to me. I don't know. I feel way more Gryffindor. And being a Capricorn, I feel like I have to be a Gryffindor. I don't know. Yeah, I I can see that. Maybe you need to take a new test. I don't know. They could have been wrong the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It has been a while since I've taken it. I love this question because everybody has responded with like super random places. So it's like, one of my friends said Maine and I was like, what do you do in Maine? And then it's just like other small towns and like just not things that I would expect, like especially like Europe and that kind of thing. But I guess it does really depend on like where your mindset is at the time and where you are in life. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, it's about what something means to you more so than the bragging rights of like, oh, I went to Europe. You know what I mean? It's kind of, you've got to really enjoy the time that you're spending somewhere for it to be memorable. So I I feel like that's probably why everyone had such random answers. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's so true. Yeah, because like I've been to Europe a bunch of times and I went to Greece this summer, which was so magical and cool. And as much as I'd love to say it was my favorite place, like my heart will always be like in Paris and France. I just love France so much. And like, sorry, the other countries don't stand a chance. (laughs) I need to go back. Like I went to Europe um, for my senior trip in high school and we were only there for 10 days and we tried to see like three or four countries in that time. And I just like, I I wasn't really with people that I consider like my people, you know, so it kind of, it was more of just like an educational crash course type trip than like an actual <laughs> vacation. So I want to go back with people I actually really like and like have fun. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The first time I went to France was with a school trip and it was very similar. And it's like everywhere you went on a tour bus, you were like getting guided and telling all these history things. And I'm like, I just want to go do something interesting. Like, stop reading a history book to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yes. All right. So, what's the coolest thing that you've manifested? Mm, See, this is a hard question for me because I feel like the manifestation life has become mundane to me at this point because Mm. it's like my whole life. Um, And sometimes, I don't give myself credit for like what I've really manifested. So I'm really glad that you like are forcing me to answer this question. (laughs) (laughs) Unavoidable. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, I feel like the most magical thing that I've manifested is pretty much my overall career and lifestyle. Because when I first discovered like the whole manifestation and magic thing, I was in a really dark place of like not feeling like I fit in anywhere or like um, that I belonged in the job market or anything like that. And so it was always my like from day one, my intention was to manifest a life where I'm my own boss. I get to do whatever I want, connect with amazing people, be creative, be magical and make money doing it. And so like, I forget that sometimes because my life can be kind of (laughs) hard, but like, but at the end of the day, I wake up every day doing exactly what I wanted to do years ago. So I feel like that is the biggest thing I've manifested. Mm, I love that. That's so like specific too. And then it's like you knew the specific things you wanted out of your career. And then that's like exactly what you got. Yeah. It's crazy how manifestation can come in like, you know, cause you want to be like bada boom, bada bing, you know, and then all of a sudden it's perfect, but like it can take years and it can take a lot of growing and developing for it to really happen. But one day you just wake up and look around and you're like, Hey, this is what I wanted cool. (laughs) It's so scary almost. And it's like, and especially when you look back after, like for me, I've manifested so many different things intentionally. And then I look back and I'm like, oh wow, that thing was unintentional, but I totally manifested that and that. And you're like, oh, this is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like the things like that you've kind of always wanted and you don't realize that you're manifesting it until it's there. And then you're like, wait a minute, how did this happen? Yeah. Seriously, it's the craziest thing. Um, okay, so what's your favorite luxury splurge? Um, this is probably gonna sound kind of mundane, but for me, it's like ordering an extra glass of wine at dinner and having a meal delivery service. Because, oh, yes, like, yes, please talk about your meal de- um, delivery thing. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know, like for such a long time, I kind of like I grew up pretty poor. And like, as an adult, while I was building my career, I was kind of the starving artist for a long time. Mm. So for me, just like being able to order a glass of wine with dinner when I go out or have like a meal delivery service deliver to my house and I don't have to like worry about going grocery shopping, like that just feels so fun and luxurious to me. And it's probably the most basic thing in the world to some people, but to me, it's like, oh my God, I made it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel the exact same way, like super similar to that. I recently just started doing all my grocery shopping at Target and Whole Foods because I used to just go to Walmart because it's so cheap. Um, and I just switched and now it's still the same amount that I spend, but it's way more of like a luxurious experience. And I buy less food that I end up wasting. Cause I'm like intentionally going to get certain things. And like, it sounds like such a small thing, like you said, but it's really such a big deal to me. <laughs> Yeah, it like it's about the experience of how you receive something more so than like just what it is, which I guess is what we were saying about traveling too, you know? It's yeah. like really being able to appreciate um I don't know, just the luxury of like doing something a little bit more high class, you know? <laughs> I love that. For your um food delivery, do they deliver it cooked or do they give you like all the instructions and the ingredients? 
Yeah, I do HelloFresh. So they oh. send you like the exact amount of ingredients you need. So kind of like you said, your food isn't going bad in the fridge. Like you have just what you need for the recipe and then it tells you exactly what to do. And I can kind of just like zen out and enjoy cooking dinner without having to think too hard about it, but it still ends up being something really nice. So I love that. Yes, I love that. I'm going to get to that level. When I was in Greece, um, I was hosting a retreat and I hired a private chef and it was the best decision of my life. I was like, wow, when, I, when I'm a millionaire, I'm hiring a private chef. <laughs> I mean, and I've had somebody mention this to me recently too, because I was like, well, one of my goals is to have a private chef. And my coach was like, you know, you don't actually have to be a millionaire to have a private chef. You know that, right? Like you can have that relatively soon. <laughs> so it's like, oh, Oh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I guess they're really not that expensive. It depends, I guess, how you go about it. You know, we kind of have to like, part of manifesting for me is like realizing that we get to think outside the box. So if it means we have to kind of work our way up, like for me, I get my meals delivered once a month instead of every week. But like, it was a lifestyle goal to have that happen at all. So you can kind of like work your way up. So maybe there's a way for us to get private products <laughs> that like isn't too expensive, but we can stick our toe in the water, so to speak, you know? Yes. We'll have to cut, we'll cut some corners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. What's your all time favorite book? Um, it's not even a witchy book, oddly enough, but Memoirs of a Geisha. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with it, but I read this book at a time in my life where like everything was kind of a disaster and it was kind of like just this practice that I would have. Like after a long day of work, I would make myself some dinner, um, put some like Asian classical music in my <laughs> headphones to drown out my roommates and just read that book. And like some of my most powerful memories of starting my manifestation journey and my self-care practice come from around that time. And I think what I love about the book is it's the story about this girl who came from like literally nothing and a lot of things in her life seemed beyond her control. But by simply like tapping into what her biggest desire was, she was able to like navigate through all this crazy stuff and get what she wanted. And I feel like that's just so powerful. Oh, okay. You're going to have to send me the name of that so I can look it up and link it. Yeah, you can actually watch the movie too. Like it's not oh. quite as good, but it's it's pretty good. I think you'll like it. it. It's about this like geisha girl in the, I guess, turn of the century, like 1800s. Um, it's really cool. I think you would like it. Oh, definitely. I love a good story of started from nothing. Started from the bottom and now we're here. Love mm -hmm. that. Cool. Okay. Definitely going to look that up. And yeah, is it on Netflix? I don't actually have Netflix. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge like TV and movie person. I have my favorites and I kind of just get stuff on DVD or like buy it mm -hmm. online and, and go from there, but it might oh. be on Netflix. Okay. I'll have to look it up. I love that you're like the one 
percent in the world that doesn't have Netflix. Love that. <laughs> Is it really one percent? That's hilarious. I don't know. I just made it up. It feels <laughs> like that. In my ad PR classes, we'd always talk about Netflix and like how it's going to be impossible for them to kind of scale because everybody kind of already has it. Like there's no more customers for them to have. And so my teacher would be like, who in here doesn't have Netflix? And nobody would raise their hand. Like everybody in the classroom had it. (laughs) Yeah. And they give you like multiple accounts on there. So actually now that I'm thinking of it, as of last week, I do technically have Netflix because somebody gave me one of their like accounts on there. Yeah. Interesting. Man, Netflix, they got to take that off, but please don't because I just use my boyfriend's Netflix. So Netflix, don't do that. <laughs> Love that. Okay. And our last speed dating question is what is your go-to coffee or tea order at the moment? Okay, so if I'm at home and I'm just brewing my own tea, I love the um, mandarin, orange, and spice from Celestial Seasonings, and it actually has geisha artwork on the front, so it goes with my favorite. (laughs) Yeah, I love that because it's just like, it really packs a punch, you know? But if I'm going to go out and grab something from Starbucks, I'm obsessed with the matcha um, frappuccino. Ooh, okay. I love matcha, but I've never done it in like a frappuccino form. It is an amazing summer drink. It's just like so refreshing and it's not like as hard on your stomach as coffee, but it does kind of wake you up a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. Matcha has more caffeine than coffee. I'm pretty sure because green tea has the most caffeine. Oh my God. I didn't know that. That's, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was a barista for like three years. So I know all these random coffee and tea facts, but yeah. So like green tea has the most caffeine, matcha included. So it's either the most or equal as like espresso or like the strongest kind of coffee. So I'll definitely have to try that. So never be afraid to drink tea, you guys, because you will get the caffeine kick. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, green tea, I I prefer it over coffee for sure. And I love that you know all of this about coffee and tea. You're like the coffee and tea potions master. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love it. It's really excessive, actually, because I since I was a barista for so long, I'm very coffee snobby in a way, but I have like a whole barista um, station in my kitchen. Like I have a Keurig, I have a French press, I have an espresso machine with a steam wand. I have like a whole tea cabinet. It's just very extra. (laughs) I wish I was your roommate because I'm not that skilled at making my morning cup of brew. (laughs) Oh, I'll have to do some like live videos or something. (laughs) Making morning coffee with Michaela. (laughs) Teach us your skills. Teach us your potion mastery. Yes, exactly. Coffee, potion, mastery. I love that. Yeah, I taught my roommate how to make lattes and stuff because when we got our espresso machine, that's like a whole other beast. Like anyone can figure out a Keurig or a French press, but an espresso machine is some real shit. So I had to like teach her as if I was training at my old coffee shop, which was fun for me, but... (laughs) That sounds fun. I want to learn too. <laughs> yes. I'm going to write that down. Coffee mornings with Michaela. Awesome. Okay. So we're just going to dive straight into our interviewee questions. And I'm really, really excited for all these. So you want to just tell us a little bit about your personal development journey, like how you got into this witchiness and where you're at now? 
Yeah, I think my personal development journey really started around 2012, which I think is a stereotypical answer for a lot of people because that's when (laughs) the woo-woo stuff really started to go mainstream. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it was kind of just a synchronistic thing because I had always been kind of spiritual and I had always kept a journal but I was raised religious, actually. I was raised Muslim, and it really didn't vibe with me. Like, I couldn't really get with the whole, like, God is judging you thing that most people grow up with, and it was it was difficult because I felt like I was growing as a person in ways that were, like, going against what my family's supposed values were, and that was very difficult for me especially in college. Um, So in college, I kind of just released the whole religion thing completely. Like I wasn't connected to my spiritual path at all. I was just doing homework and going to parties. Like that was my religion. (laughs) And (laughs) so- Love that. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was fun, but it also wasn't super fulfilling on a deep level because everything that I achieved at that point in my life was very ego based. Like I would get good grades and I would feel good or I'd get a bad grade and I'd feel like crap or, you know, my social life would be going well and I'd be happy and then something would go wrong and I would be completely depressed. Like I really had no sense of inner stability and self-worth. So what really changed everything was in 2011, my parents got into a really ugly divorce and it was one of those things that just shakes everything and everyone around it. And you know, things came out about my family's values that caused me to realize that like my parents are just people too. you know, their spiritual path and the things they tried to teach me were just them doing their best at the time. And I realized that like, I didn't need to feel guilty that those weren't my beliefs anymore. And I didn't need to hold myself to those standards anymore. So, um, of course that was also around the time when I graduated from college, all my friends moved away. I had to move back to my hometown where I had no friends and no life and like no foundation. So it was like literally starting from ground zero with everything. Oh, the universe was not playing. (laughs) No, it was not. And it was, it was a complete reset button and it was terrifying. But at the same time, it's kind of like the, the quote from the movie Fight Club where he says, it's only after you've lost everything that you can do anything. Mm. Um, So I kind of like, and this is really dark, but like I had this moment where I was like, I can either like end my life or I can wake up tomorrow morning as if I'm a newborn baby with no preset belief systems and just completely face life with a sense of childlike curiosity. Obviously I chose the latter. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was when my spiritual journey started. And I actually kind of had an eating disorder when I was younger. And that's not something I always mention anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not ashamed of it because so many people struggle with that in our society, but it just isn't even a part of who I am anymore. So most people don't know that. But I I didn't want to feel unhealthy anymore. Like, I didn't want to hate my body and have this ugly relationship with food anymore. So... I was like, I'm vegetarian. Maybe I should try going raw vegan because I'll probably feel healthier and lose a lot of weight. So I looked up raw vegan on the internet and I ended up finding all of these people who were doing this raw vegan lifestyle and 
you know, going through a physical detox also ends up being an emotional and mental and spiritual detox. So I went through that and like my entire mindset changed. Like I became more connected to nature. I started loving myself. I started doing yoga and just everything completely changed on an inner level. And I had this sense of curiosity about life. And that's really where the self-development spiritual journey started. Um, and then like I, I kind of hit a wall, <laughs> which kind of eventually ended up leading into my witchcraft journey. But yeah, like that is where it started. It started from a dark night of the soul emerging into a lighter, um, you know, a lighter chapter, you know? Yeah, there are so many things I love about that. So I love that you said that you just realized that you don't need to feel guilty for like not believing the same way as your parents is having a different thing. And I went, went to LA this summer on a solo trip and I met a girl. And one of the first things she told me is that like, she's just been traveling the world, releasing people of feeling guilty. And it was just so powerful. And I feel like it's not something we talk about very often. It's not like we don't need to feel guilty for not having the same path as others. We don't need to feel guilty for having the bad grades, like all those like ego based things. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, guilt is a whole thing. And I feel like it's one of the lowest vibe emotions that we can have. So I love that your friend is kind of making it her mission to be like, let's get rid of this guilt thing. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it was so crazy. It's actually a girl I met at an Airbnb. So like I went on that trip for a business retreat. And then afterwards I was doing like a little solo spiritual trip. And I went to this Airbnb. She was the first person I met. And I really wanted to release all this past guilt that I had around um, an ex. And so that was just my intention. I was going to release that. I was going to make space for new and better vibes. And that was the first thing she said to me was like, I'm releasing people of guilt. And that's like the exact thing I needed to hear. It was so crazy. I love that when you just synchronistically run into the right person at the right time. (laughs) Exactly. It just shows that like everything is happening as it's supposed to. And even like, as you said, your parents went through a really bad divorce and like you were ending college and you had to go back home. It's just like everything crashes down, but then it builds back up as it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the tarot cards, we have this card called the tower, which represents like foundations of like an old castle just falling apart and it shows these two people falling out of the castle and you know the one person is like looking out below like obviously they're in a state of distress but they already know they're going to land on their feet and the other person is just kind of flailing and playing the victim Mm -hmm. so it's really like life is always going to throw these curveballs at us but it's really about where our mindset is that determines you know if it's going to end up being a blessing or a curse Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is just so funny how everything is so connected because somebody just DM'd me on Instagram today talking about that same idea of like, they, they just messaged me randomly and were like, have you heard of the quote as above below? And I was like, yeah, it's just like, it's all about our perspective and our mindset. It's like, and I've heard that heaven and hell are the same thing. They look the same. It's just the journey of how you get there. If your life is amazing, you end up in this like heavenistic, idea. And if your life is shit, then you're of course taking this path to kind of hell and then it all ends up being the same in the end. So it's just, it's all about our mindset and our perspective and what we're focusing on. 
I feel like perspective is everything. <laughs> like, yeah, everything. You know, it's the same thing as the like one man's trash is another man's treasure type thing. Like, somebody could be listening to this podcast and being like, ugh, she only gets meal delivery service once a month. That's <laughs> terrible. And we're all like, oh my God, this is so cool. Right. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. It's perspective is so important. And I talked about this um in my last guest podcast episode with my friend Bree. It's just everything in life is perspective. If you have a shitty day, it's a perspective. If you're having a good day, it's a perspective. It's like whatever you're focusing on grows. And I really truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us to kind of catch ourselves if we're going down a negative path and be like, is this something I really need to explore and really do the shadow work? Or am I just like being a little bitch and I just need to like <laughs> raise my vibe real quick and move on, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait. do you want to explain the difference between shadow and light work really quick? Yeah, totally. So like a lot of the time in the spiritual community, we get people who are like, I'm a light worker and I do blessings and healings and I send Reiki energy to everybody. And that's great. Like, obviously we need people to be sending out good vibes and doing good things for other people. But in order for that to even be possible, we have to also also do our light or our shadow work, which is where we look inward at our own ego, our own fears, our own ways that we're rejecting ourselves and others, like all the things that we don't really want to look at and don't really want to talk about and don't make us feel good. And we have to really allow ourselves to, first of all, stop judging ourselves for it, kind of like what your friend is doing with like releasing the guilt. And then we need to study ourselves and understand why we developed those negative patterns. And we have to kind of, instead of pretending it's not there and shoving it away, because it'll only come back worse, um, we have to integrate it into something that is healthy. So like just the most basic example of somebody who is addicted to, I don't know, coffee, you know, (laughs) and you know, it's really, it's not good for them and they're drinking coffee all the time and you know, it's bad. Well, instead of them completely saying, I'm just going to give up coffee forever one day, like they're going to end up relapsing and going back to coffee. Right. Um, But if they're like, you know what, maybe it's okay that I enjoy coffee. I just need to stop using it as a crutch all the time. So they replace that coffee with say something healthier like green tea. And if they still like the taste of coffee, coffee and they like having it, then maybe they'll just have it on the weekends. You know, it's kind of, you know what I mean? It's about creating that sense of balance and taking something that could be really bad and turning it into something that gives you the energy that you need to actually go out there and do the light work because we always have to fill our own cup first. Otherwise we're just creating more problems. Yeah, exactly. I love that so much. And it's like, if we don't do the shadow work, like you said, it's going to come back way, way worse in the end. Like, cause it'll, it'll just build up and then we have so much more to work through and it's just so much more work after that. So it's like, I always tell people, if you're feeling a certain way, feel it out, like give yourself those five minutes to feel that way and identify why you feel that way and what started it and what triggered it and go through it, process it, and then change your mindset and then move forward from there. Exactly. And I feel like a huge problem is that a lot of people, and I'm not exempt from this, I do it too sometimes, but like a lot of us 
feel like we're addicted to taking something and turning it into light work instantly. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not even done processing something, but you're already trying to write an ebook about it and help other people. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you need to take the time to let yourself process this because you don't fully understand what the lesson is yourself. You know, and so we got to remind ourselves that it's okay to like not know what the purpose of something is just yet. We have to just kind of go with the flow of life and see with an open mind what we can learn from it without forcing it to mean something instantly. Yeah, just like letting that come full circle before you make assumptions and jump on spreading the message to every person you know. (laughs) Exactly. Love that. Okay. So what does being a witch mean to you? And like, what was the turning point when you decided to take on the name of being a witch? Yeah. So it kind of goes back to the part of the story where like I was on this spiritual journey and it was all fresh and new and exciting. But as with all things that are fresh, new and exciting, it kind of eventually came out of the honeymoon phase after a while. Um, And so like I had been living this lifestyle where I I was just this willy-nilly hippie type person. Um, I kind of, part of me believed that money was unspiritual and that we should get rid of money and everybody should harder. (laughs) Yeah, like I was kind of that person for a while and it wasn't working, obviously, because, you know, that's not really the world that we live in. Yeah. And, um... Like, after college, one of the big scary things that had happened during that dark night of the soul initially was that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. Like I graduated with a bachelor of fine arts degree and I didn't want to go out to Hollywood and try to become like a Disney animator. So I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And every job that I tried to get just wasn't inspiring to me. And I couldn't see myself like trying to continue, you know, growing with any company or anything like that. And it was just like, I don't belong in this society. What is going on? So my spiritual journey and my business journey kind of go hand in hand because as I was learning about all these new spiritual concepts, I was trying to integrate that into my life by creating my own business. But at the time I had no idea what I was doing. So like (laughs) I had a crappy job at the mall during the day and then I would like make random pieces of artwork and sell them at festivals. And I was super broke and everything was really stressful, but it was also an interesting like you know, it was kind of a magical time in its own way, just because it everything was so like random. <laughs> but yeah. eventually, that just wasn't working anymore, and I needed a change to happen. So it came with another dark night of the soul. I found myself living in this crappy apartment with way too many roommates who really didn't resonate with me, and I had allowed myself to get into that situation because I believed that like spiritual people were supposed to be hippies and all live together and like a commune thing. Like it was <laughs> I love this. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I had to grow through that. And so like, I was really depressed in that apartment and I was just like, look universe, if I'm supposed to be this magical light working person, you're going to have to throw me a bone here. Something has to change. And that was when I realized that working with the universe is not just going with whatever happens and accepting that as your reality. It's about actually setting intentions and then figuring out how to align that with the greater good of, you know, the universe and society so that it actually works. Um, So 
someone had given me a book called Everyday Magic by Dorothy Morrison. It's kind of like a Wiccan 101, like how to cast a spell type thing. Yeah, I've heard of it before. Yeah, like I didn't totally resonate with it because it was like kind of, well, I mean, Wicca is a religion and I'm not religious. So it kind of like not everything in it made perfect sense to me, but I loved the idea that there were spiritual people who would actually use their intentions and use tools to work with the universe to make something happen. So I ended up casting a spell to get a new group of friends and a new place to live and a new career path. Um, It was like a new year 2014 spell. And at first I was so scared because I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know if this is going to work, but I put my energy into it. And like, I really had a lot of passion about changing my situation. And by putting that passion into like a ritual, um, miraculously over the course of the next like two or three months, all of those things happened. I found an apartment that like didn't even make logical sense for me to find. Um, I met a group of women and they were, they were doing this like new year celebration that was called like creative female spiritual entrepreneur get together thing. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my God, that's perfect. So I went to that. And then some of the women I met there ended up becoming my first clients for graphic design. Um, and you know, some of my, my new friends. So like that all happened really quickly. And that was when I realized that like working with the universe is really about setting intentions and doing the work to make it happen more so than just being like willy nilly and meditating and hoping that everything will go great. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. It was life changing. That is super cool. And like those things showed up for you so quickly. That's so wild. Yeah. That was like when you asked what my biggest thing that I had manifested was, I almost wanted to tell that story, but I was like, well, we'll get into the story part later. (laughs) But that was like the beginning of me becoming who I am now. And so it's really exciting that like I figured out like specific tools and techniques and energetic frequencies that I can put myself into to actually continuously get results and live my daily life in this way. And like now I get to actually share it with people so they don't have to necessarily learn the hard way like I did. Yeah. And just like cutting more corners. We love cutting corners. (laughs) Yes. The easier, the better. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And did you have to go through any like mindset shifts before kind of coming out of that closet and being like, Hey, I'm a witch, by the way, like, what was that like for you? Um, I don't feel like I was ever in the broom closet, so to speak, just because like, I'm an Aquarius. So like when we make the decision to change, you're like, Ooh, I'm going to do this big change. And you know, we get really into it. Um, and like at that point, I, I didn't feel like guilty anymore about my previous religion and I was already living a pretty alternative lifestyle. So like for me to do another weird thing, wasn't that shocking to most people. (laughs) Um, but as far as mindset shift a hundred percent, like I really had to shift out of that idea that like making money wasn't spiritual and, you know, I had to really shift out of the concept of the starving artist and, I really had to take responsibility in areas of my life where I had been used to playing the victim. 
Like mm-hmm. I had to realize like, just because these things were difficult for me growing up doesn't mean that I can't take control of them and be a big girl now, you know? And I think that's one of the hardest things to do when you feel overwhelmed and when you feel like life is throwing you lemons. But the most powerful thing you can do is realize that your life is really in your own hands and the universe won't hand you anything that you can't handle, but you do have to rise to the occasion to like learn your own strength. Yeah, definitely. I'm like sitting here shaking my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I actually did a podcast episode like way back when I had like started my podcast about things about like your spiritual and personal growth journey that people don't really talk about. And it's like having to own up to everything, having to decide not to be the victim anymore, how to make sense of things. And it's like, it's super scary. And people don't really talk about that. It's like, you have to own up to all your bullshit. And that's a big thing to tackle. It is. And it requires admitting that you have bullshit and that it's you who's keeping it, you know, holding on to it, which like that hurts to think about, you know, because we want to say that it was some outside force or some other person or society that forced us into this rut that we're in, which obviously is somewhat true because like life is a mirror of whatever's going on inside you. And it's kind of like a which came first, the chicken or the egg type thing. Mm -hmm. But the only way to shift out of that at the end of the day is to decide that you're going to and go for it. Yeah, I love that. And I had a really rough upraising in high school. And when I was applying for scholarships and stuff, I would have interviews. And I remember one interview, they asked me, well, like, what was the turning point for you? Like you went through all this adversity. How did, what was the turning point that made everything okay? That kept you going. And I was like, I just decided it's just a decision you have to make. It is. And I wish that people like you and me could just somehow like magically incept that, like, like that realization into everybody. But at the end of the day, it has to happen inside of someone and no amount of like just doing surface level practices and filling your house with crystals is really going to change that until you have that epiphany and you realize what you want to change and that you will stop at nothing to feel the way that you want to feel, you know? Exactly. And that goes back to like making ego-based decisions and ego-based fears and kind of the ego-based like reward system for yourself, but you have to pull away those layers, which make us feel so safe. And you have to decide that like, okay, I'm digging deeper this time. Like I want more. And that's what you'll get as soon as you work through all of that stuff first. Exactly. And it is scary, but it's so worth it. It's like that saying, everything you really desire is outside of your comfort zone or like is on the other side of fear. So you kind of just got to gird your loins and go for it. (laughs) Right. Totally. Um, Okay. You want to tell us about some of your like witchy practices? I know you said you used a spell and I saw on Instagram, you just made a new broomstick. I just want to know like the significance of that and what other things you kind of dive into. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the broomstick because it's the most ridiculously like stereotypical witch thing. (laughs) Yeah, like for me, the broom is really just a symbol. So 
traditionally it represents the sweeping away of like negative energy or like sweeping away the old to make room for the new. And like my practice is very psychological. Like that's why like I'm here on your manifestation podcast because like for me, it's always about mindset and the other tools of the craft are really just about what you mentally associate with making that change. Um, So it'll be different for everybody. But for me, I like to use the broom in this traditional way of um, like starting a new year or a new place to live. So I am currently in the process of manifesting my next dream apartment. Yay! And yeah. <laughs> so um, I realized that the, the, the decorative broom that I had in my house had been around for like the last two places that I've lived. And I was like, you know what, let me symbolically burn that old broom and create a new one to help me to psychologically get into that mode of like, this is happening now. We're manifesting the next dream apartment now. So that's what that was about. I know some people really, you know, want to dig into like the symbolism of the broom, which is great. But like for me, even though I do believe in energy and I do like to use witchcraft tools. Um, for me, it's really about mindset and, and whatever, whatever symbol is going to help you with your mindset to remember what you're manifesting, go for it. (laughs) So I love that. And it keeps it simple too. Like you don't have to be so specific. You don't have to know the symbolism from the 1800s. Like you can just make it work for you and make it easy and whatever resonates with you will. Yeah, exactly. And even though there's a lot of power in like researching traditional ways of doing things, if it doesn't have any personal meaning to you, it's not going to work. So you've got to kind of um, figure out which symbols resonate with you and why, you know, specifically, why does this resonate with me? How does this resonate with me? And then use it in those kinds of ways. So my practice is pretty much about that sort of thing. It doesn't usually involve like making brooms. (laughs) Recently happened, but like my work day is very much about, um, combining the magical and the mundane. So For example, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is a guided meditation that's in alignment with whatever I feel like I need to manifest or work on that day. So like while the mind is still fresh and I haven't like checked my phone or gotten sucked into other ideas yet, I I like set my vibe with a meditation. And then I do a little bit of journaling, um, whether it's like writing down some affirmations or writing a gratitude list, like whatever is going to remind me what's really important to me. And then from there, I wake up, um, well, I get out of bed because like, like I told you, this is already like 11. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I get out of bed and I go to my, um, soul of my business altar. So yes, your business has a soul sort of. (laughs) Yes. And you just put an up an Instagram post about this today. So yeah. Yeah, like I did not make up this idea. I kind of got it from my coach, Kristen Jett, which she said she didn't make it up either. It's like something that really just exists and she kind of channeled it and like everybody needs to know about it. But basically like anything that you birth into this world kind of has a destiny of its own and it's kind of its own thing, even though you're the one like 
giving it energy. So that includes your business. So I have a whole altar to the soul of my business and it includes like um, a prosperity jar where I'm always putting energy of what I want to manifest and why. Um, it has little jars for um, the clients that I want to bring into my business. It has a little jar for the clients who are already working with me and I'm always sending them positive energy. And it's really just about like focusing on what's the big picture. Like, obviously we want to manifest money, you know, we want to, mm -hmm. you know, get to that next income bracket, all that kind of stuff. And the, you know, the business strategy that I do later in the day is more of that stuff. But the ritual at the beginning of the day is just to remember that what's really important is that I'm improving my life to be happier and healthier, and I'm empowering other people to be happier and healthier. So then all the other decisions I make during the day are in alignment with those intentions. And then that is what ends up leading to the success and, you know, the, the business and all of that stuff. So my day is kind of, you know, it's witchy, but it's always really just with the intention of making sure that I'm tapped into my highest intuition, my highest purpose, and that the, the decisions that I make are directly in alignment with that. That is so cool. I love they have an altar for it. And I just kind of realized this concept about like your business soul uh, maybe like a month or two ago, but it was having to do with astrology because like I said, I'm super into astrology. It's like your business has its own birth chart. Like, and if I look back to when I started mine, my blog, just the day that I bought my domain is what I call it is like its birth chart date and time. And I looked it up and it is so aligned with like its actual birth chart. It's almost scary. So we're not <laughs> making this up people. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one too. Like your business has its own birthday and you know, like all of this stuff. And like, have you heard of human design? Yeah, but I don't know that much about it. I honestly don't either, but like so many people I work with, they're starting to get into it. So like apparently your business has a, like a human design too. What? Oh yeah. my gosh. So like you want to learn like what your human design strategy is based on your date of birth. And then you also want to do it for your business. And then like you and your business are kind of in a relationship together and you guys have to communicate with each other using your human design strategy. Like it's, it's interesting. I'm still learning about it, but it seems to have a lot of power behind it. Yeah. My jaw is dropped. That is crazy. Well, I think so. Our mastermind is ran by one of our coaches, Amberly, and I think she's giving us our human designs in Hawaii next month. Is she not? Oh, I know she mentioned she was going to do something with human design. Yeah. It wasn't for what? I don't know. I just assumed it was for Hawaii, I guess. Yeah. And guys, I'm going to Hawaii next month with all my chakra sisters. It's going to be amazing. We're staying at the Ritz. Super cool. <laughs> um, okay. Do you want to explain the difference quickly between like magic and magic with a K? This was really strange to me when I first saw it. And I remember when I followed you on Instagram, I was like, why is there a K in everything? So I think <laughs> it's good for you to explain before people dive into all your stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So basically magic with a C is represented by like fictional magic, like Harry Potter magic and also stage magic. So like, um, what was that guy's name? Like Chris Angel or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that is magic with a C. Um, and then magic with a K is like spiritual magic. So basically it's like manifesting. Um, the, the person who defined it that way was this crazy guy named um, <laughs> Alistair Crowley in the early 
part of the century, the 20th century. Um, he's really crazy if you want to look him up, but he did have like a really good definition for what real magic is. And basically it's, um, being able to affect change on your reality in like a spiritual Ooh. sense. I love so, Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much just like manifesting, <laughs> but it's just a fancy word. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, because I had never seen it spelled with a K until your Instagram. And I was like, okay, like she's really witchy. What does this have to do with anything? <laughs> so I like looked it up and I think he popped up, but I don't remember reading that much. I think when I looked it up, it was just like the magic thing was becoming mainstream. So to make it like it differentiate people added a K. I think that's when I had saw online. Yeah, I guess that would be the watered down millennial way of describing that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Okay. And then your like business tagline is like taking things from mundane to magical. So like, can you give us some simple steps of how we can do that? Yeah. So my favorite, like, well, I have like a tip that you can use each day, but like, I feel like I need to back it up with an overall statement. Like, (laughs) The overall statement of how to take your life from mundane to magical without any tools or crystals or anything like that is to simply sit down and ask yourself, what is really important to me on a core level? And are the daily actions or like my daily lifestyle actually matching up to that? Like at the end of the day, that's the big picture. And a lot of people are like working jobs that they don't love and they're, you know, in relationships that they don't like, or they're, they're living a lifestyle and purchasing things to impress other people, but they're not really sure what they're getting out of it on a soul level. So like that's mundane as hell, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so powerful. Everybody needs to sit down and journal about this. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like your your journal can be your very first magical tool. Like journaling is the way to know yourself. Don't be afraid oh, yes. to write down like your thoughts and your feelings and let that stuff out. Put it on paper, read it back to yourself, and you'll get to understand like what you're really going through and what's really um, important to you on a deep level. And then once you've got kind of got that figured out, which of course is a lifelong journey because it's always changing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Once you have an understanding of like always being in that mindset to figure out what's truly important to you, you can do this amazing trick called using a pendulum. So basically a pendulum is just like, kind of like a charm necklace. It's just like like a heavy object on a string or a chain. You can get ones that are made out of crystals and like are specifically aerodynamic to be pendulums, but basically it's just an object on a string (laughs) and you hold it. And you think of a question. So like for me, sometimes it's like, oh, what should be the call to action in my next newsletter? So I'll ask it like, should I talk about my freebie that I'm, you know, that I'm sharing? Mm -hmm. And if it spins clockwise, that means yes. If it spins counterclockwise, that means no. Um, If it swings back and forth away from me, that means like not necessarily ask a different question. And then if it swings horizontally, that means it's fine if it goes, you know, you can do that or you can do something else. It's not a big deal. So I heard um, so much about these. I need to get one. Yeah. Like they... Like it's just, again, guys, it's a science, okay? Like it's not just science, but like basically the part of your mind that houses your higher self is your subconscious mind. Um, And so your subconscious mind controls like 
non-intentional um, body movements. And once you kind of program your, um, your tool to always be in alignment with your highest purpose, then your highest self will go through your subconscious mind and send micro movements through your hand. And even though you're trying to hold your hand as still as possible, um, just, you know, the tiniest motion will cause it to go in those different directions and will give you those answers. So like me and my pendulum are best friends all throughout <laughs> my work day. <laughs> I love that. I need to get one so badly. I always like go to this crystal shop and every time I look at them and then I don't buy one, I'm just going to pull the trigger next time I go. (laughs) Yeah, just do it. Like feel into like what, like what is leading you right now? So for example, I want to get a rose quartz pendulum because recently I've kind of shifted out of being obsessed with strategy and more into like following my heart and leading with love. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I want to get a new crystal that like aligns with that for my pendulum. But really at the end of the day, anything will work as long as you, you know, set that intention. So Mm -hmm. you might even be able to do it with like a necklace or something. Oh, true. And you have to program them, don't you? Yeah. It's, and again, it, it depends what your beliefs are. So for me, my practice is more psychological than like woo woo. So like, I know some people believe that the crystal itself is like getting charged with a specific intention, um, which it can be true. I don't, I don't necessarily disbelieve that, but for me, it's more about like getting super clear on what my intention is and programming that to my subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is what causes the pendulum to move. So, you know, there's a little give and take there based on what you believe. But at the end of the day, it's about just making sure that you're clear. Yeah. And I think that's super cool because it's all about what you believe. And it doesn't have to be a specific way. It can be whatever your interpretation is of it. And I think that takes off a lot of pressure because like we were talking before, I, my audience is really very baseline. Like we talk about like mainstream magic kind of things. So we're just doing things that feel comfortable that don't feel like scary magical. And I think that's cool that there's no pressure there to do it a certain way. Yeah. Like my rule of thumb is if you're practicing some kind of spiritual or magical practice that feels scary to you, you're not ready to do it. Because if you have fear, then that fear is going to be what goes into your subconscious mind and programs whatever you're doing, and you're going to manifest scary results. Whereas like, if you feel comfortable with something and confident about something that you're working with, then you're going to manifest positive results. Yeah, I definitely agree. And it's like when people will DM me on Instagram and they'll be like really scared to buy their first tarot deck and then they pull a card and it's like the death card. And I'm like, well, you can't just open the deck being scared. Like, what do you expect? (laughs) Exactly. Because it's law of attraction. You know, if you're scared, you're going to attract more fear. I know. And I, when I first got my tarot deck, I was doing a spread for like everybody I knew. Cause I was so excited about it. And I did one with my roommate. And after we like, uh, I don't know, like decoded the whole thing. She was like, it was a really rough <laughs> reading. She was like, that was so bad. I knew it was going to be horrible. And I was like, well, that's why it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like if you know, without a shadow of a doubt, what to expect, then isn't that what you manifest? Like, yeah, pretty sure that's how it works. <laughs> exactly. I know. And that's why like, whenever I'm pulling tarot cards or oracle cards, if it's for a certain person and they kind of tell me about their situation, I, while I shuffle the cards, I'm like, I have no intention to pull a specific card, just whatever they need to hear. And so I always try and clear that space to get what I need to without expectation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the thing is like even the devil card and the death card and the tower card, like even though they're not what you want to see, they're not bad cards either. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. mean you're going to hell or you're going to die or your house <laughs> is going to burn down. Like it means that there is something in your lifestyle that you're not paying close enough attention to that can cause a problem later on unless you do your shadow work. So it's actually a good thing if your intuition is bringing that up because it's trying to help you, you know? Yeah. It's like, hey, sister, please pay attention. I'm trying to give you these signs. (laughs) Exactly. And that's what all of these tools are for. They're really just to tap into your highest self and get that advice. Yeah, definitely. And with that, what is your most powerful manifestation tip? Mm, good question. Um, I would have to say like aiming for what's really exciting to you because like for a long time in my own life, and like I see this with a lot of people, we kind of dull down our vision because we don't believe that we can achieve better and we don't want to disappoint ourselves. So like for me, for a long time, I manifested like domestic situations that weren't great, like that shitty apartment that I, you know, when I cast my first spell to get a better one, like I always kind of have that pattern of thinking, oh, I'll just take whatever the next best option is instead of really like trying to go for my dream home. And when you do that, like you end up manifesting more things that are just mediocre. And even though it's scary to aim for your biggest possible vision, and like you have to accept that like you're co-creating with the universe, you might not, you know, reach the moon just yet. But if you're aiming for the moon, you're a hell of a lot more likely to land on a cloud. But if you're just aiming for a cloud, you're probably going to land, I don't know, you're probably going to crash into a plane. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to really like tap into what really excites you. Like what did you really dream about when you were a little girl? And don't tell yourself you can't have it. Know that your, your ideas and your desires are premonitions of what you're meant to manifest. And even if the road to get there is, you know, hard or you're not able to, you know, see all of the clear steps to get there, like how the universe manifests something is none of our business. It's our responsibility to own up to what we desire and claim it. And then just take those daily little decisions that are a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And the next thing you know, it's five years later and you're looking back and you're like, oh, I (laughs) always wanted to have my own business and be my own boss. Here I am. This is great. (laughs) Or like whatever it is, you know? Yeah, exactly. And one thing I actually just talked about last week with my audience, I wrote a blog post about a lot of almost manifestations. And it's like that idea of like taking the almost perfect thing, or it's just there, but there's a couple things missing. And it's like, and my blog post I talked about, it's only showing up that way because you don't believe that you can actually have the dream apartment you want, the dream car, the dream, whatever. So you always end up with these almost manifestations. It's like never limit yourself because anything and everything is so possible. Exactly. It's so important to just like release that fear. Like, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. That's part of the fun of life. So, you know, why not just play the game to your best ability and see what happens? 
Yeah, seriously. And like set the big goals and expect them to happen and then be so fucking happy they happen. Like one of my big goals this month was I wanted to double my podcast downloads and it literally happened. And I was like, I have no fucking clue how that happened, but it did. And I'm really happy about it. So it's like never dull the possible shine that could come. Yeah. Congratulations on that. And I feel like another way that we can look at things is instead of being like, oh, it was an almost like a tease of my manifestation. That's so annoying. Like instead of looking at it that way, we can look at it as a stepping stone, you know, like we're just on a path, you know, and we'll get there when we get there. Exactly. And another thing I talked about in that blog post was like a lot of times those almost manifestations are kind of like tests, like you are not quite at the vibration of the thing that you desire. So I'm going to give you this almost one so you can see that we are not matching up. And it's kind of like that test of like, hey, I'm giving you this, raise your vibe, and then it's coming. So I like that. It's just a stepping stone. Yeah, I love that way of looking at it too. It's always like your higher self trying to give you more of a breadcrumb trail. Like everything, the good things, the bad things, and everything in between is an opportunity for us to learn and grow. Mm, I love that. A breadcrumb trail. Amazing. Okay. Well, this has been so much fun. Please tell everyone where they can find you and get more of your witchy goodness. Yeah, this has been amazing. So if you guys want to learn more about like taking magical witchy feeling practices and actually grounding them in the actual mindset work as well as the strategy to actually make your manifestations happen. I'm your girl. So I also, I apologize if you can hear my cat, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but that's just part of the witchy lifestyle guys. But (laughs) Um, yeah, so you can go to wealthywisewitch.com and I have an amazing free training for you guys that teaches you how to actually use the energies of the wheel of the year, which is like solstices, equinoxes, and everything in between to actually plant, tend, and harvest your biggest goals. And then actually, you know, map things out so that you can figure out what tangible strategies you need to use in order to make those desires a reality. So check that out. And then if you want, you can also follow me on Instagram at Afira Nefertiti. And I'm on YouTube. I think, what is my YouTube name? I think it's Afira <laughs> Nefertiti as well. Um, and I'm on Facebook as um, The Wealthy Wise Witch. So I would love to connect with you guys. And thank you so much, Michaela. This was amazing. Yeah, this was so much fun. I will have all that stuff linked below and it'll be on my website so you can find her. I am always learning from you. So I'm really excited for my audience to dig in. And you guys definitely have to follow her on Instagram because her feed's like all purple and like mystical-ish. And so you guys will definitely have to dive in. Aw, thank you so much. You are so inspiring. And I (laughs) I just love that you're teaching people how to manifest without like, all of the, like the guilt and the shame and the difficulty that like so many people have to go through. And I think that anybody who gets to work with you is super lucky because they get to pretty much get the shortcut. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks again for coming on. I will talk to you soon in a mastermind call. (laughs) Oh yeah. Talk to you soon, Michaela. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
thanks for diving in and getting your daily dose of personal development with the Mindset, Magic, and Manifestation podcast. If you loved this episode, leave a rate and review on iTunes. For notes, details, and more information, check out MichaelaJ.com. See you next week.